Uh, let me fill you in on where we've been over the past few weeks, okay? We're in this series called Life on a Mission, and what we're doing is we're talking about what it looks like to live on mission, because a life on mission is not an ordinary life, right? If we believe that we've been given a purpose, that we have a mission from God, that we are to serve God, then our lives should look different, right? Whether that's in our homes, at work, at school, wherever. That means that we should look different than the average ordinary person out there that may not know about God. And that just makes sense. We should live in such a way that when people see us when we're walking around uptown, downtown, old town, wherever, I don't know. When you're out and about wherever you are, people look at us and say that's a life on mission. That life is different and that's what we're after. And the good news is, while we all might have unique gifting, we talk about this at the Ridge, that when we accept Christ, we accept the presence of the Holy Spirit, comes into our lives, and he gives us a unique way to serve God, and we want to help you find that way of serving God. While we all are uniquely gifted, we all have common goals, though. And so we've been talking through those common goals of what a life on mission looks like. In the first week, we talked about worship, and we said how we're all made to worship, and that our worship um, should be genuine. We just don't want to give empty gifts to God. And then two weeks ago, we said that a life on mission is passionate. It's not apathetic. And then last week, we talked on how a life on mission is filled with humility. And it's not prideful. Prideful attitudes can keep us from celebrating what God is doing in the lives of other people. And if you missed any of those messages, you can go check them out on the app or online this next week. And you can catch up. But to introduce today's topic... I want to tell you a little story of something that happened to me a little while back. Um, and what you got to know for this story is that traffic around my house where I live can be quite hectic in the mornings when school is in session. Because on one side of my neighborhood is Eagle Ridge, and then on the other side is um, Northside and Veterans and Veterans Middle and Element and all this stuff. So there's just a lot of traffic and can get a little crazy. So when Abby was little, I remember coming out of the neighborhood, fighting to get out of the neighborhood and to turn on the Schaumburg Road. And by this time, the line is backed up on Schaumburg. It's backed up into the... Um, into our subdivision. And so what we do is we do this zipper thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like where one car goes up and the other car goes in. And then another car goes up and the other car. And that way both lines keep going. So it came time for my turn to get into Schaumburg Lane. And, and when I got in, I thought that the car was going to let me in. Okay, And it turns out that he didn't intend to let me in. But I went anyway. So he came barreling up on my backside, and he honked his horn. Now there's a big commotion, and I gave him the universal sign for, I am so sorry, like, I'm sorry, my bad. I thought we had an understanding. Obviously, we did not. And when I looked at him in the rearview mirror, I noticed that, unfortunately, he did not receive my gesture of repentance. And instead, he gave me the universal sign for one way to God. If you don't know what I'm talking about... The wrong finger is pointing straight up. So, we keep moving forward, and I'm like, ah, oh, that was awkward. And we get to the double lanes, and when we get to a double lane, I get over in this lane, and he goes past me. And he continues to express his dissatisfaction with me as he passes. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, let it go. What is the big deal? But when he got on the other side of me, I noticed that he had a church sticker on his back window. Not our church, but another church. So I called his preacher. 
And I was like, let me tell you what one of your church... No, I didn't. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I thought about it because I didn't know the preacher. But let me just say, if you have a Ridge sticker on your car, may, may the Spirit of God keep you from refraining to pointing to heaven at people when they make a mistake while driving, okay? So, with that story in mind, what does a life on mission look like? Here's what I think it looks like. I think it looks like a driver's actions and his sticker communicating the same thing. Do you get me? You know where I'm going with this? I think Jesus is looking for a little more sincerity and a little less hypocrisy. In fact, I think Jesus spent a lot of time talking about hypocrisy and wanting to get rid of the hypocrisy within the church. And you know what, you know what this is? Those are ones that claim one thing and then live another way. So for our time this morning, what I want to talk about is the damage that this type of attitude causes to a life being able to be lived for the mission of God. And I'll start off by saying that hypocrisy is very hard to see in our own lives, but on the other hand, it's very easy to point out in the lives of other people. In fact, let me just ask an honest question. I think we can all agree, okay? How many of you would say, I know someone who's a little hypocritical? Let's see, raise your hands if you know somebody that's hypocritical. Yeah, okay, a little hypocritical, that's right. How many of y'all would say I'm sitting next to one right now? Let me see. Ooh, don't do that. Don't make it awkward. I'm just teasing. Man, some of y'all just got fronted out. Like, those hands went up quick. Watch out. Um, Again, it's easy to point out in the lives of other people. Sometimes it's very hard to point it out in our own. In fact, there's a saying I've heard from preachers that goes like this. If someone ever says, I don't want to go to church because it's filled with a bunch of hypocrites, the preacher might say, well, we could always use one more. (laughs) Which is a little abrasive. But there's a little truth to it. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of hypocrisy. And honestly, it does a lot of damage. And it's really not something to joke about. I don't, I don't want to dismiss it or gloss over some of the pain that people have felt by a behavior or attitude or actions of someone who claims to follow Jesus Christ. And chances are, if we took time, we could all share stories of a time that we felt the church or leadership within the church or something around the church was a little hypocritical. For example, some of us might talk about a dad who was involved in everything in the church. But when he got home, it was very different than how he portrayed himself on Sundays. Or maybe you had a pastor or a teacher, or you've read those articles, you've heard those reports, or you know somebody who knew a pastor who, or a leader in the church who, and it just wrecked your perception of church leadership. And sometimes these examples hurt so much that they can actually turn people away from the faith. So let's be honest, this is a tough topic to talk about. And what does a life on mission look like? It looks like a little more sincerity and a little less hypocrisy. I love the song Jesus Freak from DC Talk. And I know I've used this before, but I'll tell you again. Some of y'all remember this Christian song that came out in the 90s. But at the beginning of it, there's this preacher voice that comes on and he says this this, uh, line. He says, the single greatest cause of atheism today are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips... And deny him with his lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. This was a quote by Brendan Manning. And the basic message of the song Jesus Freak was that I'd rather be labeled a Jesus Freak and be sold out for God than to be a hypocrite and live this double life. So let's talk about this today. And let's try to understand it. Let's try to dissect it a little bit. 
try to understand. In order to understand what it is, we've got to understand what it's not. And let's start here. Hypocrisy is not the gap between what we do and what we wish we did. Okay, in other words, it's not the difference between how we behave and how we wish we behave. Like, I wish I hadn't have thought that, but I did. I wish I hadn't have said that, but I did. I wish I hadn't have done that, but I did, right? That, that's not hypocrisy. That's, that's a sinful action. There's a difference between being sinful and being hypocritical. So let me tell you what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is the gap between what we show we are and who we really are. It's the difference between what you say and how you actually live. It's the difference between public profession and private mission, which is what we've been talking about. And if you look this up in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the word itself actually comes from a Greek word that means an actor or a stage player. It's a compound noun that literally translates an interpreter from underneath. Now, this completely makes sense when you realize that in Greek plays, they wore masks. And the same actor would just go backstage and he'd put on another mask and he would assume that character's role. So through the years, then this word would describe a person who is acting. In other words, they put on a mask, and underneath the mask, they are completely different. And since it's Halloween season, I went, and I found a mask. What mask do y'all think that I picked out for this morning? <laughs> no comment. But I would love that mask. Now, what if... Who said Catwoman? <laughs> Who said that? No, 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 no. Who said that? Because I'm Batman. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. I am setting myself up. I'm sure there are going to be people that are going to go back and do freeze frames on that and make all kinds of comments online. Anyway, uh, and I just put that idea in your head. Um, now, that'd be awkward if I stood up here in a mask the whole time, or Nemo. They've got Nemo happening here. Y'all should see the props we have backstage. If I just stood up here with a mask the whole time and just tried to play that part out, it'd be awkward. It'd be weird. So let's talk about the masks that we wear a little bit. And let's drill down on this as it applies to Christians. How does this play out in the Christian life? Well, for me, it was always hearing church people talk about when I was growing up, don't drink, don't smoke, don't end up in the back seat, you know, those types of things. But then what I saw them do on the weekends was completely different than what they said or the image they portrayed. Or how about the happy Christian that always walks into church and is like, crazy, praise Jesus, glory, hallelujah, you know, today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad, and you should too. And meanwhile, they lost it like ten times in the car ride with their kids on the way to church. And inside they're feeling pretty guilty about that. There's a lot of different examples that we could give. But I truly believe that Jesus wants to help us remove those masks that we tend to wear and help change the perception within Christianity. So I want to look at a few pieces of scripture that deal with this topic. And for this morning, I didn't put any message notes down. We're just going to work through some scripture. So if you want to write down these scripture references, you can go back and read this on your own. In fact, those of you that are online this morning, we're so glad that you're worshiping with us. You can find those. Um, you can make those notes on your app as well and then go back and study. So let's look at a few pieces of scripture that deal with this topic. The first comes from Titus 1.16 in the New Testament. Paul, Paul writes this letter to, he writes letters to a lot of different churches. 
This one, he writes it to one of his disciples, and he's talking about a certain church. He's talking about the behavior within the church, and he says this. He says, they claim they know God, but their actions deny it. They say it, but Paul's like, I don't see it. It's not a good thing to have this said about you, to have this written about you, talking about your church or certain lifestyle. And it's not just Paul, but Jesus. Jesus really didn't like this type of attitude. In fact, you may remember the times that he spoke against this. And in Matthew 6, he really comes against, it, against this attitude, if you want to just read this whole chapter later. But in Matthew 6, 2, Jesus says this. He talks to the church people, and he says, when you give to someone in need, don't do like the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. In other words, they love to be noticed when they gave, right? They, they love to have those moments of giving in front of everybody so that everybody would think just how great they are. Meanwhile, maybe they didn't give privately like they should. And then a few verses down in verse 5, he says this. He continues. He goes, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners. Again, they love to be heard. You know, they love to use fancy words that no one really understands and pray for everything under the sun. But meanwhile, it was just all fake and it was just all hollow. It was just all show. It was just words. And a few more verses down in verse 16, he continues. He says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. It's like you get invited for lunch, and then you go to meet this person for lunch, and you sit down with your meal, and they sit down with a cup of water, and they're like, oh, I'm so hungry, I wish I could eat today, but I'm fasting. And you're like, why did you invite me to lunch? <laughs> and it's like, obviously, you're looking for attention in this. But Jesus goes on, and he, actually, he was pretty harsh with the damage that this does in our witness and how we live out our life on mission. Let me give you one more piece of scripture in Matthew 23. He really turns up the heat. And he just calls out a bunch of people and he's like this. He says, hypocrites. Man, for you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the outside of the dish, but on the inside you're filthy. You're full of greed and self-indulgence. And he's like, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Now I remember thinking about this verse when my girls were real little, and I would... You know, go around after them, and I would pick up leftover cereal bowls that have been left out. And what I notice is that when all the milk is gone and the cereal dries and it sticks to the inside of the bowl, it sticks to it like cement, right? And you know what it's like to have to really just scrape that fruit loop off, right? But now what if when I went around and grabbed the bowls, I went and cleaning them, I just cleaned the outside of it. And then I put it back up on the shelf so you couldn't see the inside. But the outside was so clean and I just put it right back. If you saw me do that, you would think you're crazy. But this is exactly what Jesus is saying. It's like, man, we are so good at just polishing off the outside and just doing enough to, to hide everything. But the inside, man, the inside, man, it's broken. It's damaged. It's hurting. It needs help. You put it on a show in front of everybody, but on the inside, it's dirty. And watch what Jesus says next. He says this. He says to these people, he says, snakes, calls them snakes, sons of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? And with that descriptive language being used, I would say, man, Jesus was pretty upset about this. He wanted us to take notice of this. So let's 
let's apply this teaching a little bit. Okay, and let's, let's talk about this as it relates to hypocrite or hypocritical attitude. This is someone who wants to look very good on the outside. But if we look at it in these terms, it's, it's actually the inside is actually pretty far from God. In other words, we want the public affirmation, but we're full of private flaws. And what's interesting about this, when you break down these verses, Jesus doesn't say these harsh things to people who cuss every now and then or, you know, maybe watch something with a little too much violence on Netflix or something. No, no, no. What Jesus does, not, not that those things are right by any measure, but what Jesus is saying to, in this situation, he's like, woe to you who do bad things, but you try to act like you don't. You try to act like you don't need God's help. Or anyone's help. Woe to you who put on the show. Woe to you who are perfect, but you, you want to act like you're so perfect, but you're really not. You know, when we talk about this, this is always a little uncomfortable. Maybe, maybe we, we might be feeling a little uncomfortable this morning, and that might be a good thing. Because what that means is that there's a little self-awareness happening. And I hope that some of us are willing to look inside ourselves and think, not so how so-and-so needs to hear this message or how I hope so-and-so is listening or, you know, maybe I need to share this message with you-know-who. No, no, no. But maybe we begin to see, because it's easier to see in other people than us, maybe we begin to see the inconsistencies that are within inside our own heart. Maybe we drop the mask and ask God to do a little work inside of us. With all that being said, I want you to know that there's, there's some hope for the hypocrisy that's in all of us. And some of you might be asking, well, what's the hope? Like, well, what kind of hope do we have? And to, go, to get to that hope, let's go back to the verses that we just talked about. Let's go back and look at it again. It says this, when Jesus says, hypocrites, you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside is filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. We already talked about that. We're good at cleaning up the outside because it doesn't take that much work, and it's so much easier just to put on the mask and go through our day like nothing's ever wrong, right? But on the next part, he says, first, wash the inside of the cup and the dish. Then, the outside will become clean too. So go back to me putting that nasty, crusty cereal bowl back on the shelf. I think we would all agree that what matters most is that I take that down and I clean out the inside first. The inside is what's most important. Not so much the outside, but the inside. It, we got to allow the spirit to do a work internally where no one can see. And what that means for us when it comes to our relationship with God is being able to take off that mask and drop down our guard. And then out of an overflow of the work of the Spirit and who we're becoming, you will start to display the goodness of God from the inside out. You can't hide on the outside the work that the Spirit is doing on the inside. But it takes that work. And it takes allowing the Spirit to do that work in us. That's the transformation that we're looking for, that work that flows from the inside out. But in order for that to happen, we got to drop the mask. we, we got to bring our true and real self before God. And that's, that's hard to do. It's hard because of our misperceptions about who God is. 
is God going to love me? Is God really going to forgive me? Is God really going to work in me? It's hard to do because of our perception of what if other people find out. You know, honestly, if I can just be honest with you, it's easier for me sometimes as a pastor just to put on a mask because I know the perception that people have of me, right? Like that I've got to make the best choices. I've got to be the best example, and I want to be the best example, right? But sometimes that's easier just to put on the mask than to really share about what's happening inside my heart because that's hard to do. But when it comes to my relationship with God, Jesus doesn't want this type of behavior. We're so used to doing it with everybody else that we, we're so used to just trying to put the perfect image and gloss over everything on social media. Sometimes we allow that to transfer into a relationship with God, and he doesn't want that. In fact, when someone who's hurting actually drops the mask and says, forgive me, heal me, save me, redeem me, transform me from the inside out, Jesus' answer is always yes. Yes. Because Jesus says, you know, in another piece of scripture, he says he doesn't come for the righteous. He comes for the sinners. He doesn't come for those who are so good at cleaning up the outside. He came for those who know just how dirty and how messed up they are on the inside. He doesn't enjoy the fake shows that we put on, but he has unlimited grace for someone who realizes their need to be changed. And we all need his grace. So what's the mask, maybe, that you got on? with God, with others. You know, it's scary to think about that sometimes because our worst fear, again, is that God will see the real us, you know, or that other people will see the real us, the real you. You know, what if people actually know how messed up I am? And that's scary. You know, I love this quote. Craig Rochelle says, you have nothing to fear when you have nothing to hide. I love that. Solomon, why Solomon? He puts it this way in Proverbs 28. He says this, People who conceal their sins will not prosper. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. Those who hide, those who put on the mask of what's really going on when it comes to God's. But, keep reading, he says, but if they confess and they turn from them, they'll receive mercy. When you confess, when you open it up, that's when you give God something to work with. That's a life on mission. So here's what, here's what I hope to leave you with this morning. Some of us might be hiding behind a mask, and I'm not sure what it is, and I'm not sure why you're doing it. But my hope is maybe you find the power and the strength that comes from taking it off, taking off that mask, and showing the real side of yourself to God, and being real and open and honest with Him. Let, let me tell you a couple of ways to drop that mask. And number one, you can drop it, jot this down if you want to put this on your, since I didn't give you any filling blanks, let me give you two right here. Two, two ways to drop the mask. Number one is tell God. Just number one, tell God. Go home, have some confession time with God. Let him see where you're really hurting, that where you need to be forgiven, and let him begin that transformation process from the inside out. The second thing you can do is tell someone else. Tell someone else. You know, the mask loses its hold on us when we talk about it, when we let other people in. And maybe that comes from within your marriage. Maybe that comes from within your Bible study. Maybe that comes from within your friends, whoever that is. Maybe allow someone to pray with you through that. That'll help you. But again, my hope is that we realize we're not perfect people. We're not perfect people trying to live in this 
social media perfect world where we're trying to please everyone in a perfect way. Not at all. We're all sinners. We've all messed up. We all fall short. We all have our battles. We all have our own struggles. We all have our own fears. Every single one of us. But also know that we all want to be sincere. And I hope you want to be sincere. When it comes to your relationship with God. And allow him to work and bring that change that's needed from the inside. So that the outside can be a reflection of what's happening inside your heart. So maybe for some of us it's our marriage. And you're just honest with God. You're, you're honest with your spouse. You're just like, my marriage isn't where it needs to be. I know I post all these perfect pictures all the time online, but we're not even sleeping in the same rooms anymore. Jesus, come in in all sincerity. I ask for your help and I ask for wisdom. Maybe it's your finances. Our finances aren't where they need to be. And sure, I drive this and I live here and I wear this and I put on this great show. But really, on the inside, I'm drowning in debt. Jesus, I want to drop all the charade in all sincerity, I ask for your help and wisdom. Or maybe I'm not feeling well on the inside. Sure, I put on a great face and I put this mask on in front of everybody and I say the right things and I look the right way, but really on the inside, I'm insecure. And I need healing. Jesus, will you help me with those? Maybe today we, we begin to walk out of here and we drop the mask. And the reason that that's so important is because Proverbs 28 reminds us that concealing it, keeping it from God doesn't work. But those who confess, those who show their true self to God, those are the ones that receive his blessing and his mercy. Those are ones that are changed from the inside out. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you don't expect us to be perfect. That you just want the real us. God, that you want the problems and the hang-ups and the struggles and all of it. So God, just, Jesus, help us to drop those masks that we're holding on to right now. God, help us to come to you for forgiveness. Because we understand that if we continue to hide, God, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do. But there's freedom. God, there's freedom in the spirit when we tell the truth and we open ourselves to you and we're honest in our relationship with you. That's, that's when you can come in, God. When we allow you, you give us free will, you give us that opportunity. So God, just we come before you and we ask you to come in, to do a work on us and to do such a work on us, to change us and transform us in such a way that our outside is a reflection of the truth of what's happening inside. God, we understand that's the only way we're really going to find peace, God, when we learn to confess our failures to you. So Jesus, help us to find the blessing and the mercy that come from giving you all of our heart, every part of who we are, not holding anything back. We thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.